hello everyone uh, welcome to another weekly episode of limitless podcast a place where we bring you the global leaders in sales and marketing uh, where people come and share their experiences strategies insights and most importantly actionable inputs that you can readily implement in your jobs my name is vivek and i'll be your host today today we are speaking with mark mcdougal the founder of clarity first consulting uh, clarity first is a consulting firm that specializes in saas industry Uh, Mark comes with a wealth of experience in this industry, having helped numerous SaaS companies in the space uh, to grow their business. Uh, hi, Mark. Welcome to Limitless. Hey, Vivek. Glad to be here. Uh, Mark, if, it would be great if you could tell us a bit about yourself, uh, where you started, where you're from, um, how you started Clarity First, what do you do there, uh, about your role. It would be great. Yeah, sure, sure. So, grew up in uh, Glasgow, Scotland, twenty nine, almost thirty years ago, and <laughs> spent the first ten years of my life there. Moved over to the states, land of opportunity. It was wonderful. Um, went to the University of Florida, then moved up to Georgia. Started working at General Electric for a while. I was an IT project manager there, and then uh, kicked off my freelancing career. About seven years ago, and I initially started doing just random web development, and realized that that <laughs> was kind of going nowhere. I was just a generalist and、uh, not really doing much to help anyone in particular.、Uh, so over time, I've slowly been drawn towards the B two B SaaS space. I really love it. I've toyed around building some SaaS apps on my own, and、uh, yeah, at Clarity First.、Uh, I basically just help B two B SaaS companies land more demos by making their their site convert better.、Uh, that usually involves just talking to customers, figuring out what they need, tighten up mass, tightening tightening up messaging rather, and、uh, any critical copy on their site. And、uh, but yeah, just learning and growing every day, man. It, it's、uh, it's always a challenge. I've made a ton of failures along the way in terms of sales and marketing, and I'd love to share with some of them today as well. Wow.、Uh- So, Mark, a couple of things that struck me when I started、uh, doing a bit more research about you. So, one thing is、uh, when I went into Clarity first,、uh, it was a breath of fresh air. To be honest,、uh, there is no beating around the bush.、Uh, there is no exaggerated claims.、Uh, it, you were precise in your communication.、Uh, you tell what your philosophy is, how you can help your company, what you're good at, and even the way you sign off your emails.、Uh, Mark McDougal, I help B two B SaaS companies book more demos.、Uh, that was. Really good because it's apt for the name, like Clarity First.、Uh, one more thing I、uh, love is when I went through the couple of case studies of yours, what the projects you had worked on.、Uh, there is a bold disclaimer at the top that says, "Okay, this is the scope of the project.、Uh, we only provided the wireframe、uh, and the architecture, and the end result is、uh, not completely up to us. And this is what we have done, and not entirely." So. That was again something very transparent and authentic. So my question is,、uh, how did you, from being a web developer to B two B SaaS, how did this transition happen? And like, is there any particular reason like that、uh, you prioritize clarity first, like、uh, being transparent and plain and direct in your communication? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a really good question. I, I haven't actually been asked that yet. So the the transition from just general web developer to focusing on conversion rate optimization for B two B SaaS companies was one that kind of happened out of necessity almost. You know, it wasn't that I just woke up with a spark of brilliance one day and thought, ah, I know, I need to do conversion rate optimization for B two B SaaS companies. That's my calling. 
<laughs> I just started out as a web developer and realized after talking to customers, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews with potential clients, learning that they weren't really seeing anything magical about what I was doing, right? They, they just saw me as another pair of hands, some, someone that could potentially help them maybe like throw a, a website together or something, but they weren't really seeing the value that I was able to bring to the table. And someone that's kind of really in tune with what he's able to do for people, I felt a little bit frustrated by that. And I realized over time, I, I did some research and I talked to people that are much smarter than me that it was probably a positioning issue. So I've been, I've, I've always loved working with SaaS companies and mostly because their site, their marketing site is the lifeblood of their business. You know, it's not like they have some offline business. It's the main model. And then the online, excuse me, the site's just a, a brochure. The site is the business more or less. So any sort of value I can provide for them is like 10 X more potent for a SaaS company than it would be for say, I don't know, a local pizza shop, you know? Uh, so I figured let's just bite the bullet focus on SaaS companies. And, uh, I I've been loving it ever since, but I've noticed that the, especially in the sales and marketing industry, there's uh, maybe I'm in the minority here. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like there's a lot of, I guess, mystique, and a lot of people pretending like they're much better at sales and marketing than they actually are and that they can sneakily convince you to buy their product or sign up for your service by using some special tactics or some special NLP phrasing in their copy, you know. Uh, but, but my paradigm's a little different. I, I kind of hold the, I hold the opinion that you can't really change people's opinions you know, and the, and the process of sales is really just facilitating, uh, facilitating the process of finding a good fit between someone that has a genuine problem and someone that can actually solve that problem. If you can't solve that problem, it's best to just be transparent up front and, and help refer them to someone else. But if you can, um, then the sale is much more natural to do. And I found that the People really appreciate the transparency, you know, uh, buyers these days, especially in the SaaS space, they're not stupid and they've seen every little teasy marketing tactic under the roof. Uh, so being honest and transparent is kind of novel these days. You know, if, I even have on some pages just my pricing listed explicitly. Like this is how much I charge for this product, this is how much I charge for this. There's, there's no mystery. It's, it's transparent and, and people really appreciate that. And ironically, it's quite a good sales tactic because people find that they can trust you more because you're being honest. So it's, it's kind of weird how that works, but uh, I think it's something that the marketing space needs and uh, it's something that's sorely needed, especially in the SaaS space. So it's an honor to be able to, to help facilitate the process of bringing more transparency into uh, businesses through just being radically transparent myself. So boxing a bit there, but hope that's the question. I totally agree. Authenticity sells and being honest and transparent is much better than any sneaky little tactics. Uh, yeah. So for those who, uh, who are listening, uh, just an anecdotal uh, anecdote. Uh, so when uh, I got first uh, no mark, uh, my colleague sent an email that uh, Mark has sent us that. <laughs> it was a short video email. Uh, it was a two-minute uh, introduction about uh, who he is. And in, in, in fact, he didn't talk about himself at all. Uh, he talked about what we did. He had done plenty of research, uh, our show, our guests, and everything. And by the end of two minutes, my colleague said, like, this is amazing. This is how a cold email should be. And uh, we have to have this person as a guest on the show. And uh, they, we have you here now. Uh, 
Sneaky uh, tactics worked after all. <laughs> no, I, that's what I told you. I, uh, at the end of the day, I felt like I knew this person a bit more uh, than a plain old text message. Uh, you're taking the time and everything. So, yeah. So, uh, Mark, uh, we would like to talk about a few things today. So, uh, one, you have a lot of experience dealing with uh, different SaaS companies. Mm. And uh, and you are a huge advocate of uh, customer delight. Right? Uh, yeah. So, what is happening in the SaaS industry right now, especially with this current situation going on? Yeah, so there's a lot of parallels with... SaaS and really any business, but uh, I think what's <clears throat> excuse me most affecting SaaS companies right now, especially in the B2B space, is there's obviously a lot more friction when it comes to making that initial sale. Uh, a lot of, I guess, you, you can, you can, I'd imagine that a lot of companies are seeing people sign up for that first month, that first free trial, the first 30 days or so, and then immediately canceling so that they don't get charged for the service. And that's totally understandable. I mean, everyone's scared right now. People are trying to make sure that recurring expenses have been reined in across the board. So um, totally understandable. But there's probably a lot more churn and there's probably a lot more uh, initial sales resistance that SaaS companies are seeing. Um, and I've, I've got a couple things I'd like to share that can maybe help with that, uh, which we can get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah. There's very few things that are different from the SaaS company in a traditional business. Everyone's seeing the impact. And of course, depending on the industry you're in, you're going to be hit with this more or less. I know there's some SaaS companies that exclusively focus on solving problems in the travel domain. Uh, they're getting hit really hard right now or live events. But there are ways to pivot. And I think that all things considered, this is a good exercise for customer discovery, especially for SaaS companies that are able to quickly reposition themselves on their website. So customer discovery, you say, uh so one thing is, okay, there are two questions here. One, someone is coming to my website and he's obviously signed up for the product, but due to this current situation and uh, uncertainty, uh, they want to cancel it before the next payment occurs. Uh, so one, obviously there is a need there. And as you had mentioned, uh, maybe it gives me an opportunity for to know more, better about my customer. Mm. So how can companies go about doing it? Then second question is, what can I prevent to do to prevent the churn? Hmm. Okay, cool. Good question. So the first one, uh, I'll, I'll tackle that one first, naturally. Um, let's say someone signs up for your service and immediately cancels, right? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that they're interested. They're, as, you, as you said in the question, there is a problem there. They're experiencing a genuine problem and they're just trying out your service, but they also don't want to pay for it. So they're just really, really cost sensitive, which is okay right now. I mean, that's going to happen. So if that happens, I highly recommend, and this is kind of my blanket advice for solving any kind of problem in the SaaS space, um, going forward or making sure you're interviewing those people. So getting them on the phone and asking them, why did you sign up for this? What is it that you're trying to do here? What's, what's, where's the value? Trying? Obviously, don't lead them when you're asking the questions, but you want to figure out where the value is. What, what are they actually, what's the driver that caused them to sign up in the first place? And then if they buy another month and then cancel again, <laughs> that's a, a stronger indication that there's something there. They're just not sure if it's worth staying for the whole year, you know. Uh, but of course, that begs the question, how do you get people on the phone? And we can talk about that as well. But I want to get to your second question as well. Um, how do you beat churn? Uh, so I actually got this idea from someone in the community, Natalie Luneva, in the SaaS space. And she suggested that if anyone goes ahead and cancels 
your subscription to instead offer them a three or four month period of free service. Obviously, there's people that just cancel your service or try and churn. There's going to be some degree of churn all the time. But right now, there's going to be more churn specifically due to the coronavirus pandemic. And it's generally driven by economic pressures, right? So if you can be that SaaS company that's like, hey, looks like you're, ha- you're well, you're not explicitly saying looks like you're having money troubles. <laughs> you're saying it looks like you're not having a good time right now with the service. Why don't you just take it for free for the next three, four months? If you can be that company that offers such a valuable thing you're offering for free, I mean, the amount of empathy and something like that and rapport building is is enormous. So you'll probably see churn disappear. But if people continue to churn after that, then you probably have some problem on the value side. It's not necessarily a, a cost issue anymore. Um, I'm in, I'm in the camp that if you can afford it, SaaS companies should just make their their offering completely free for the next couple months, just to kind of be the those guys that are looking out for their customers. I mean, it's an enormous win in terms of just building evangelists, evangelist customers. That is. Um, but let, let me just summarize: if you're having people sign up and cancel, try and get them on the phone, talk to them, ask them what's valuable about their service, monitor their behavior on the application to see what features they're using. If they start to churn. Offer something for free. Offer the service completely for free if you can, if you can afford it uh, for a couple of months uh, just to keep them on the platform. And then when things calm down, you've got another customer that probably loves you for giving them a free service for three months. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I recently came across Shopify that opened up this free service for the next three months, I guess, 90 days. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, wow, this is great. And uh, one thing you mentioned is get them on the phone. Mm. What is the best way to do that? Do you have any tactics or suggestions or tips? Yeah, yeah. So when I'm brought in to consult with a SaaS company, I I always do the same thing. And it's super cheesy and it's it's super, uh, I I always get some friction at first when I suggest it. But I like to offer people a $50 Amazon gift card, uh, usually Amazon, uh, for 30 minutes of their time, 15 to 30 minutes of their time. And I'll just write them a simple little delightful cold email that's like, Hey, uh, I want to pick your brain and then their name and the subject or something like that. Um, or do you want a free $50 <laughs> and then their, their name and the subject line. And uh, that's usually going to get people to say, Oh, well, yeah, of course I'll get on the phone for 50 bucks. Like, why not? Like it's, it's 15 minutes. I'm just giving you my feedback. Like, absolutely. But there's two problems with this. Uh, that I, or at least there's two problems that get voiced to me when I raise that as a suggestion. The first one is, wow, we, we can't do that. $50 per person. I mean, we've got hundreds of people that are churning every month. That's thousands and thousands of dollars of, of wasted revenue, you know, just thrown out the window. And uh, to that, I generally recommend that like churn is inherently expensive. You know, having someone churn out your application is potentially a multi hundred dollar expense. If you can spend $50 to either get them to stay or lower your churn rate globally, why wouldn't you do that? You know, it's, it's, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, and the second thing I, I often get from people is if you're giving them money, they might be less likely to give you honest answers. And that's very fair. And that's why you have to make sure that the, the payment is decoupled from the advice or, excuse me, from the feedback. Um, and I always make sure that they're paid before the call in some way. 
and you just hop on the phone and you're like, Hey man, look, you've got, you've got the money. We're just looking for honest feedback here. Like, don't feel like you have to give us nice feedback because we gave you cash. Like we're, we're, we're really in need of some insights here. So if you can help us out, please do. Um, so as long as they're paid beforehand so that they, they don't feel like if they say that your, your service really sucks for a certain reason, they won't get paid. That's usually not a problem. Uh, but that, that's my cheesy go-to tactic for, for talking to customers. You know, cash yeah. is, clean, but you can't really send someone $50 in the mail, you know? Well, uh, I don't think, uh, not necessarily cheesy because one, uh, you're being very honest uh, and you're valuing the customer's time and uh, you are putting the trust in them first. Okay, I'm paying you and I'm, all I'm looking for is honest feedback. And I think it's a great tactic. Yeah. I mean, it really helps. It, it builds the... It builds rapport with them, and it's a great way of just getting like really honest feedback. I mean, nowadays people are just—they're really, really guarded with their time. Naturally, people mm -hmm. think their time sucks, so you have to compensate them somehow, you know. And the insights you get are potentially millions of dollars in, in, in you know, cost savings down the line. Exactly. Uh, so before we go to my next question, uh, so when I get on a call, what are the couple of things I should focus on in my discovery? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Honestly, I could spend two hours talking about this. But I'll just try. A quick I'm sorry. A quick pointers would help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it. I'll keep it brief. So, the principles you should be following is try not to lead the customer in any particular direction when you're asking your questions. So, you don't want to ask questions like, "Did you? Were you aware of this feature when you signed up?" Right? Because that's immediately making them aware of that feature right and it, it suddenly changes the whole context of the of the conversation uh, instead of asking them leading questions like that you want to just focus on them and ask them what their problems were so why did you sign up for our service did you consider other problems or excuse me other solutions when you were looking for it what was it that triggered you to reach out and, and start looking for a solution like why not just continue solving this on your own for a while and then just keep asking them questions to probe at the the value drivers or the pain drivers that, that kind of made them jump onto your site in the first place and sign up. Um, and that's where the real value is. And then asking them questions like, is there anything, if you could, you know, wave a magic wand and change anything about our service, what would it be? You know, I try to, if you want to get some feedback on a specific feature, it's important to focus on the problem that that feature solves and ask the customer about, about that rather than the feature specifically, because you're leading them towards your feature. And if they're unaware of the feature in the first place, that's useful information because you know you might have to refactor the user experience somehow to make that feature more visible. So instead, talk about the specific problem that feature solves and what they're currently doing to solve that and how you can be of assistance to that to solve that problem for them in the future. If they need. So this works well for, uh, say, B2C companies or uh, not necessarily, but uh, when it comes to B2B companies, uh, the biggest objections we are hearing right now is we are on a spending freeze. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so how do you go about tackling that? Like, what can we do? Yeah. So I mean, this one's a this one's a doozy, and I, I've heard the objection as well. It's it's uh, it's the new. I need to think about it. <laughs> but uh, here's generally how I handle uh, we're on a spending freeze. First of all, if, if you're hearing the objection, you're on a spending freeze. You've probably missed something that you haven't addressed already, that you should have addressed before moving directly towards the sale, right? But when you're hearing we're on a spending freeze, what they're really saying is we don't see the value in your offering to justify the cost, or there's not enough value in your offering to justify the cost. And right now, 
people are obviously quite scared. Their cost, I guess they're they're reluctant to commit to long-term costs or recurring fees, right? So they're going to want to see a lot more value to justify the cost. So it seems like people in America have a really hard time saying no. <laughs> so we're on a spending freeze is just them saying no in a polite way sometimes, but other times it means there's not enough value in the, in the offering. And, and sometimes it means there's another objection somewhere else that you didn't handle, and they're now using Warner Spanning Freeze as an excuse to get you off the phone. Um, so I like to I talk about the solution to this in one of the videos I posted on LinkedIn. It's called Selling Like a Strawberry. And strawberries are, I mean, if you look at a strawberry, it's mostly juicy uh, strawberry, right? It's, it's, it's mostly edible, right? It's a very, very delicious easy satiating fruit to eat but there's seeds on the outside just on the very tip of the skin the outer layer um and the the, the way reason i recommend people to to sell like a strawberry is because the vast majority of a strawberry is value it's pure value it's just a delicious strawberry and the only part that's a little bit annoying is the seeds on the outside but the seeds are there to help the strawberry reproduce so that the analogy to SaaS is your value needs to be <clears throat> that 99% needs to be the value offering, right? Everything you do should be geared towards making your solution more valuable for your product. And then the seeds for the strawberry is in the SaaS space, your, your recurring fee, the recurring monthly or annual fee to use for access to your service. Uh, so if you're getting we're on a spending freeze, it probably means there's not enough value and you need to be a bigger strawberry. You need to give more and more stuff away for free for people to understand like there truly is value there. Mm -hmm. um, if there's not value there, that's a different problem. Uh, but if, you, if you've got customer feedback that, you know, it is a genuinely valuable product, if you've got lots of paying customers already, uh, then it means you probably need to give some more stuff away for free for now and then uh, come back later and maybe approach them in a couple months when things have calmed down. Uh, but we're on a spending freeze is, at least in my experience, a really useful customer discovery question in disguise. It helps you understand where, you at, where you're at on that value spectrum. And, uh, but, but sometimes it is just a no. Some, some people are genuine, genuinely on a spending freeze. And uh, I generally advise people to just let it go at that point. Just pu don't, don't push them. Just step back and say, okay, that's fine, um, and move on. Wow, I, I like the strawberry analogy. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, they're delicious, man. I actually learned that uh, strawberry is not actually a berry. Uh, in oh. fact, yeah. Whereas banana is a berry. I don't know if it's true, but I saw it somewhere. Yeah. No way. Strawberry yeah. is not a berry, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah your analogies are great. Uh, if you're on a discovery call, think like an attorney. Difference. Do not lead the witness or do not lead the customers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, what do you think? Uh, how marketing has changed uh, fundamentally, apart from the obvious ones such as like the conferences going virtual? Like, how do you think marketing has changed fundamentally due to this pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's really what I was going to say, Vivek. I mean, the principles. All right. Well, let me phrase it like this: <clears throat> Humans have been doing marketing for millennia, right? Way back when you were when you were bartering cows for goats or, or whatever we did thousands and thousands of years ago, right? There was still some degree of marketing. People had to position themselves as the guy or the girl that sells the best goats or something like that. And they had to go about reaching people, reaching the market in some way. Um, strawberries. 
Yeah, or strawberries. <laughs> you're a strawberry farm, and you're trying to get you're trying to sell the most juicy GMO injected strawberries, right? <laughs> um, the principles they're always going to be the same, and uh, like Elon Musk says, I love this quote: "You always got to think about first principles when you're doing anything." Uh, so the first principles are always the same. Obviously, there's things like in-person events that are just basically completely nuked right now. They're totally not viable. Um, but these days, you, you just need to stick to the principles, right? Make sure you have a targeted offering that solves a specific problem for someone and reach them on a medium that they're actually interacting on. Um, mm -hmm. Try to position yourself as an authority by going out of your way to, to share value for free with your audience and then just contact them in a way that makes them that makes you stand out you know and eventually they'll they'll pick up on your offering and and, and perhaps sign up for your service but it hasn't i guess the point i'm trying to make is it hasn't really changed the the only thing i can see that's different now is there's a price premium on uh putting a smile on people's face and that's what i was referring to with uh, delightful marketing earlier if you can put, if you can make someone smile, uh, there's a lot of desperate salesmen right now that are spamming people with emails and really hard sell uh, inbound campaigns and on Facebook and stuff. But if you can be that person that subverts all that and just makes your prospect laugh, they're gonna appreciate that because everyone's everyone's scared right now. Everyone's feeling down. So if they can just get like a funny little queep in an email or something that makes them smile, they're gonna remember you and they're much more likely to do business with you. Um, so th things are the same. You just have to be a little more tactful because obviously there's a there's a strain on the economy right now. And if you can make them laugh despite that, you're in the door. Makes perfect sense. Um, you stick yeah. to your principles and find a way to reach and help your customers uh, mm -hmm. where they are present and find unique ways. Uh, so now talking about putting a smile on the customer's faces like, or customer delight, uh, could you just summarize what customer delight is all about? Uh, in uh, terms of marketing, not in terms of post-purchase. I'm talking in terms of pre-purchase. That is marketing. Yeah. 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 So there. Okay. So there is a little bit of post-purchase delight that can be used for marketing as well. But there mm -hmm. is the initial delight, and I'll, I'll quickly touch on the first one, and we'll spend most of the time on the second. Sure. Uh, so I use Calendly. I'm sure a lot of other people use Calendly as well to book events. And every now and then, I'll notice a feature that will blow me away it's it's just so convenient or it's there's an integration with like gmail or something that's brand new and they've implemented a way to just instantly share a meeting link or something they're always innovating like every month there's a new feature i get an email i'm like oh this is actually super cool this makes my life so much easier um, and then i have conversations like this on podcasts and with people in the wild you know and that is marketing right Calendly delights me with all the little micro interactions on their site and all the little things that they do to make my my experience as a customer delightful. And because of that, I market their product for them. I'm not being paid, but this is free marketing for them. You know, exactly. um, you and I got like, uh, how can a company do so much in just a calendar? It's, after all, it's a calendar. But yeah, it's just so done. Yeah, it's insane. That's it. All they do is facilitate. I mean, they do solve a really painful problem, right? The whole what time works for you, what time works for me. That's a nightmare. That a nightmare. Yep. Me too. But they do it so well that people market it for them. You know, they're like the Google solution to, uh, to, to, they're like what Google is to search for, <laughs> Calendly is to 
uh, finding a time that works for each other to spe- to schedule a meeting, right? They, it just kind of markets itself organically because people just know it works. Yeah. So that, that's the first domain. That's the post-sell, the post-sale mm-hmm. thing. But what, I, what I'm trying to advocate for today, <laughs> what I'm trying to get people to do, especially on outbound campaigns, is just to try and put a smile on people's face when you're doing some kind of outreach. Um, and I'm talking specifically about cold outreach and my, my expertise is in uh, email marketing. That's really all I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting a smile on people's face does a couple things. First of all, it subverts all the natural sales barriers that people generally have. Um, <laughs> when, when you receive outreach and it's an email that says, uh, let's see, I, I get subject lines like this all the time that say, Mark plus company name, uh connect or something i'm I'm, yeah i'm immediately my guards up i'm like all right what are they trying to sell me what is this it's freaking me out i'll generally open the email and read it but i'm probably not going to move forward because i'm like ah if they're if they're this forward in the subject line i can imagine if they get on the phone it's going to be it's going to be a sticky conversation it's going to be hard for me to get away Mm -hmm. right so instead if they put something in the subject line that was just stupid something totally left field that put a smile on my face and made me laugh and something I remember for the rest of the day, then I'm, I'm probably going to give them a shot, you know, uh, because I'm not thinking it's a sale anymore. I'm like, Oh, this is just another human who's happened to make me laugh. Humans are, excuse me, humor is a very core thing, a fundamental thing to be in a human. And I think if you can leverage that, you kind of have an in that most people don't, but of course just doing delight generally is, is a little more complicated. But more important nowadays with the pandemic, right? If you can be, I mean, the kind of people I'm, I'm emailing, right? They're busy people. They're getting hundreds of cold emails a day. Um, so you need to stand out somehow. And if, if you can do that by making them laugh, it, it's just, it's like, it's like a cheat code almost, you know? So that, that's the way I look at it. And I think if more companies used delight as marketing, if they tried to bake some delight into their campaigns, they'd see an overwhelming increase in the, the number of people that are either opening their campaigns or uh, just clicking through to their landing pages. Could you please elaborate on like one or two projects or something you've worked on and specifically in terms of delight from your portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can really only, I, I'm not actually a marketing consultant. I only do conversion rate optimization. Um, so I can talk about the marketing campaigns I run internally uh, <laughs> and, and what I've seen from those. Uh, so obviously, well, you mentioned at the start of it, uh, the, the use of videos. I think nowadays, uh, if you're not sending a little personalized video in cold emails, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, you need to be sending something that's that's revealing that you're a human on the other side of the on the other mm-hmm. side of the email system. You know, and video just does that so well. You can look at the person's eyes. You suddenly feel connected to them. They're like not a cold email anymore. They're another person. So if you can use video, a funny video, then it will work for you. Something I've been doing is um, I do webinars usually every Wednesday. And if I if I have the time and energy, I'll put on a, a pair of sunglasses. Where are they? Oh, they're back there. But I've got sunglasses and this fake mustache. I know this is probably <laughs> I'll just stick this to my face with the sunglasses on. And I'll just pretend to be a mystery man who's emailing a, a webinar. And then I've got this little thing here that I'll write people's names on. It's just a little, for people on audio, it's just a, a little piece of plastic that I can write. Oh, on. Sure. So I, I just do this in the, in the thumbnail 
And then people think, oh, wow, this is this is interesting. Like, what is this? That's that's all it is. It's just intrigue and delight. And mm-hmm. then once they've committed to the video, they've got my ask in there uh, in addition to a whole bunch of more value. Um, so the videos work tremendously for me, but I've, I've also been doing something kind of silly that's also been working quite well. And uh, I don't know if, I bet some of your listeners have actually received one of these, but when I send cold emails, I've got this stupid campaign right now about me being quarantined with a squirrel. And it's it's just a series of three or four emails with uh, pictures of me trying to get this squirrel that's living in my attic out. And it's just me talking about the squirrel and the process of me getting the squirrel out of the attic. And it's a total nightmare because I'm stuck here alone with it. Uh, but it's funny and it's interesting, and people respond to that. Like I've got in the footer of the email, and if you want to, if you want to help me, if you want me to help you book more SaaS demos, like hit me up. But if you know how to get rid of a squirrel, definitely hit me up. <laughs> so, so okay. the, the, the delight is the focus of the email. People are sick and tired of just getting, hey, you want to book 15 minutes with me? Like really boring, simple, basic emails. I'm just trying to make people laugh. I'm sending them a stupid picture of the squirrel and me running around my attic, and they they love it. You know, I'll get responses from people saying this is the most unique marketing campaign I've ever seen in my life. Like, let's let's talk. Let's let's uh, get 15, 30, 15 to 30 minutes on the calendar. Um, and it's all because I'm subverting the standard cold email practices of just being boring and simple and and straight to the point. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just delighting people and they love it. And it's great. And it's yeah, I, love it. I love it. It's interesting. It's awesome. Yeah, I always wondered, like, why don't B2B companies or why don't I specifically, like, why can't we be a bit more interesting? The same old emails, like, why can't we be a bit more about some of the amazing B2C brands? Like, customer-facing companies, they always try to innovate. They always try to delight. But when it comes to B2B, like, I don't know, for some reason, um, uh, we feel that, like, the majority are stuck in the same box doing the same thing over and again. again. Uh, and I am bet, like, if you manage to come up with something like this particular quarantine with this squirrel, I'm, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so just on that note, like, uh, what is the thought process behind it? Like, yeah, I have to like, how can one develop such uh, thinking? Like, what is the approach I should take? And if I have to come up with some unique and creative campaigns, I'm not sure everything is going to work. But if I have to start thinking in that point of view. Yeah, yeah. So one of the, I, I guess a lot of this is really my personality, right? I'm kind of a goofy guy. So it's quite easy for me to write silly emails. But <clears throat> if I was going to make a recommendation for other people, what I generally say is if you wouldn't open this email, if you wouldn't open this email you're about to send, just delete it. Just delete it and try again. And uh, I would just think of, I, I, I guess the, the, the process of writing a good, delightful, interesting email that stands out it doesn't happen when you're sitting down typing in Gmail, right? Mm-hmm. It happens in your life when you're moving around the world and doing things. And you'll notice something silly happen. And you're just like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's so dumb. And maybe you take a picture of it and it's kind of silly. And then that's it. That's your email. And you just send them the, that picture with the subject line or something. You know, it, whenever you notice something in the world that's novel or interesting or funny to you and you've got like a photo of it or something, just try that out in an email, you know, something, something stupid, like, I don't know, something you find in the, in the real world when you're moving around or you're having a conversation with someone and you find like a funny idea, just write it down. 
just write down the jokes. I've got a, I've got a, a little thing in my phone with like hundreds of stupid joke ideas that I've got from talking to people. And I'll just go through there and pick one of them. And I'm like, all right, let's try and work this into a cold email. And I'll just start there. And I'll write it out with natural language. And I think to myself, would I actually open and read this? Would I enjoy this? Would I genuinely enjoy this if I, if I wasn't me? Sometimes it's no. In fact, most of the time it's no. And most of the time when I send out cold emails, they just, they just flop, right? They, they don't get opened. It's a, it's a toll mess. But every now and then you'll hit on something that's very relevant and, and it's got that right mix of relevancy and delight such that people open it and they're actually interested. So I totally agree to this because uh, I, I remember one particular conversation I had uh, for an interview with uh, this person was a stand-up comedian and he, he had has a successful stand-up comedy in India and post that he tr- became a sales trainer. So as mm-hmm. like, uh, he said, like most of the time I get my uh, cold meetings and emails uh, crack through humor. So like, wow, hey, hey, uh, this is easy for you being a stand-up comedian, but how can I go into it? He said, like, uh, if you think about it, most of the humor or spontaneity, it is prepared spontaneity. You keep working on it. Like, what is about, uh, this person, what he might say, and uh, what can I say in response? Keep practicing it, and uh, you will arrive at that someday. But uh, as you you mentioned, pointed it out, like, keeping track of your ideas, how can I work it out, and all those things. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Said, yeah, just keep a little list. Uh, yep. Uh, so, Mark, uh, what do you think? Uh, can you give us a couple of examples of companies that are coping up with this pandemic really well? Oh yeah, yeah. So there's a couple that I'm I'm very fond of, and uh, really the criteria I'm using here is any market, any companies that are doing marketing where they're giving away value for free, very generously, mm-hmm. or they're being really genuine and authentic in the way they're communicating with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Factorial HR is one of the companies. I'll send over the links after this if you want to put them in the body. But Factorial HR, um, they're just they just made their application totally free for the next six months. Oh. <laughs> As you said, Spotify, or excuse me, uh, Shopify is doing something similar. Uh, but if we're talking about like interesting new marketing ideas because of COVID, there's a company called Slang that helps people understand. They're kind of like. Uh, they're a company that helps you learn new languages, and they're currently offering a free course that's uh, English for infectious diseases, I believe. So they're yeah. helping you understand the English words that are associated with the pandemic, which is incredibly timely and useful for people right now, and it's totally free. So that's like as genius marketing, and it's incredibly generous. You know, they're offering what they do as a product, a paid product, for free for people that are in need right now. So that's just a great example of of using using the offering you have and and flavoring something completely free and valuable for people in, in a time like this. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. Um, of course, you've got Calendly. They're offering uh, free Zoom integrations right now because everyone and their mother is using Zoom. Uh, I, I know you've had Sangram on here already. Uh, him and a guy named Ryan O'Hara that I follow on LinkedIn. They're just killing it. They're doing so well with the just authentic, genuine, fun videos where you're just feeling connected to them and the brand. Um, they're really doing well in terms of just, I mean, nowadays there's a lot more people on LinkedIn just looking to <laughs> waste some time. So you see one of Sangram's videos or Ryan's videos and it just makes you laugh and you're more likely to check out their their solutions because of it, Terminus or Lead IQ. So 
there's quite a lot there. I'll send over the links so people can have a look, but yeah. um, I'm always trying to find more companies that are that are pivoting well due to the pandemic. One thing I'll, I'll, I'll touch on before I close here is I think it's important that you don't pivot your entire product because of COVID. There's some companies that have just replaced their homepage with like a completely different offering. And I think that's going to be, a, that's going to give them problems down the line when things naturally return to normal. Um, Cause it's going to dilute their, their positioning and their value proposition. But uh, I can understand it, why you would do that if you were in a space that got totally hit by COVID. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I think it's generally more appropriate to just have a separate special temporary offering for, uh, for COVID. Uh, Mark, before you go, one last question. Yeah. So if SaaS companies could focus on one thing, or if you think well, there should be one thing these companies should be focusing on for the next six months, what do you yeah. think it should Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like this question because it kind of gets to the core of it, you know, gets to the core of what needs to be done and, and, and what needs to be something, something actionable that needs to be done, you know. If you could only do one thing for the next six months, what would it be? And uh, to keep it actionable it's, actionable, it's talk to your customers, you know, talk to them, incentivize them to talk with tangible things, get them on the phone, figure out what's valuable. Excuse me. And for the people that stick around, for the customer evangelists that don't cancel your subscription due to COVID, they clearly see your product as something that's incredibly valuable to their business. And you need to talk to those people. You need to figure out where that value is so that you can maybe reposition your service a little bit so that when COVID goes away and we go back to normal, you've got a very, very killer set of messaging tools on your site. Um, just talk to your customers. Get on the phone. Every day you need to be talking to these people because ultimately if you can help them, if you can help them get what they want, they'll help you get what you want, which is a consistent paying subscriber that sticks around and endures. Um, if you can be the company that really helps people solve problems they're experiencing today, despite all the craziness, you'll uh, you'll land a customer for a lifetime. Awesome. They have it. Talk to your customers. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's about it, Mark. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And uh, before we go, where can people follow you and more of your squirrel stories? Oh, yeah. <laughs> more of us oh man uh yeah you can just hit up uh clarityfirst.co if you want to okay. check there that's basically where everything is or i should make an extra request on linkedin if you just have some ideas you want to run by me or anything conversion rate related I'd, I'd love to learn more about you and your business or anything fun you've been trying lately to to lend more leads right uh so uh for all those who are listening we'll add all the example mark has cited like slang uh for the companies he has mentioned and his LinkedIn profile, please do uh, feel free to follow him on LinkedIn and check out Clarity first. And uh, some of the case studies are really, really interesting. And uh, the methodology has taken the approach and how he has managed to increase the number of booking uh, for a couple of companies. And the, these are really interesting case studies and you can definitely learn a lot from that. So yeah, it is clarityfirst.co. Uh, we'll add all the links in the descriptions and uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, thank you very much for for your time, Mark, and uh, thank you everyone for listening to us. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it, Vivek. It's been lovely. Yeah. See you, Mark. Bye. Bye. Stay tuned to our weekly upcoming episodes with more sales and marketing leaders from around the globe. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher as well. Subscribe to get notified when a new episode is out, and please do leave us a review if you're on Apple. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Hey!